Welcome to the Dulos Youth Podcast. We hope this encourages and empowers you to be connected to God and one another. Thanks for joining us today. Enjoy the message. Welcome to the brand new Dulos Youth Podcast. This is our very first episode, and I am Matt Cameron, your host, with the one and only... Cole Miller. Cole Miller. Are you excited, Cole? Yeah, I'm stoked. So we get to do this new podcast... We get to dig a little bit deeper into what we've been studying on Sunday mornings. But before we get into that, I thought we should play a little game. All right, let's do it. All right, it. so let's have a little bit of fun. What I'm going to do is I'm going to set a one-minute timer, and I'm going to give you a subject, and then we're just going to go back and forth, and whoever it ends on, or if you can't answer, then you lose. Okay. Ready to lose? <laughs> no. All right, here we go. Disney movies. You Aladdin. got it? Yeah. Oh, sorry. Well, I haven't started okay, yet. Okay, well, please start. Okay, you can start. Go. Aladdin. Beauty and the Beast. Little Mermaid. Pocahontas. Tangled? Yes. Um, Brave. Frozen. Um, Do we count Pixar? Mm, Yeah, I guess. Uh, I'll stay stay Disney then. We'll go Finding Nemo. Frozen 2. Frozen 2. You're such a... (laughs) uh, Sleeping Beauty. Um, Cinderella. Snow White. Oh, boy. Come on. I know it. Um, Ratatouille? Is that DreamWorks? Yes. Okay, no, Ratatouille. M- Mulan? I could say Mulan, too. Okay. <laughs> uh, what was the one I was just thinking of? Oh, no. Um, good grief. I got, I got good ones. You're going to lose. We have five seconds. I'm not going to lose Lose, this. then. Huh? Lose. Sword in the Stone. Toy Story. That's a Pixar. We said we weren't doing Pixar. We agreed. You lost. That it, yeah. you, you lost. Just admit it. How do I shut my thing off? There we go. So it's fun to play games, but really what we're here for is to help people go a little bit deeper than we were able to go on a Sunday morning. Yeah. So you kicked off our brand new series, studying the book of Ephesians this past Sunday, did an awesome job but we want to go deeper into what really is behind the text. For sure. Right? So uh, where this comes from, and since it's the first podcast, I felt like it would be good to explain it a little bit. And in Luke chapter 6, Jesus is given the Sermon on the Mount, and he gives the illustration, the story of the wise and the foolish builder. And what he says is he says that the wise man dug down deep to where there was a firm foundation to build his house upon, while the foolish man built his house on the sand. Mm. And you know the story. The winds blew, the waves came crashing, the rains fell, all that sort of stuff. What happens to the foolish man's house? It crumbles. It's crumbles. destroyed. It's yeah. destroyed. And then the wise man, what happens to his house? He's still standing. Still standing. And so the purpose of this podcast for us is to help us even have more sure of a footing on God's word. And so, Cole, as we kick off the podcast, just explain to people why, why this is important. Man, I think that this podcast matters because everyone needs a solid foundation. Because if 2020 has taught us anything, it's not if a problem is going to happen to us, it's when. Yep. And when we have COVID-19, literally everybody is impacted with negative things, right? Like, yep. You've probably had a family member or a fr- friend lose their job, or you've seen a business you love maybe shut down, whatever it may be. Um, but, but the thing is, for us as Christians, if our cornerstone, if our foundation isn't God's Word, then when these things in life come against us, we might crumble. Yeah, and so 
What we want to do is we want to go deeper into what we studied on Sundays. Yeah. So this week we, we kicked off the study of Ephesians, started Ephesians chapter 1, but let's go way before that. Okay. So Ephesus is a pretty important town all throughout the Bible, especially in the New Testament. First time it shows up is in Acts chapter 19 when Paul shows up in Ephesus. Do you remember what happens when Paul first shows up? Yeah, I mean, he goes, he goes and he goes to the synagogues and he sees these, uh, these seven sons of Sceva, right? Yep. I think they said Sceva. And what they're doing is they're there in Ephesus and uh, they were trying to cast out a demon. Now, you know how they cast out demons. Like, yeah. it, it was a little bit weird. Um, they would go and they would just say a name that had more authority, right? Than they did. Yeah, than, than, than they did. did. Yeah, yeah, than that demon did. And so, like, let's just say, because you're my boss, your name has more authority. So <laughs> if, we're, if we're at work and Cole Miller tells uh, Johnny to do something, Johnny doesn't really have to do it, right? Yeah. But if Matt Cameron does, then yeah. he has to do something. Because it was the way that the that demons worked back then. And so what these seven sons of Sceva did is they would say, well, in the name of Jesus, yeah. leave this person. And so the, the demons would, would listen because it's Jesus, right? Yeah. It's the Son of God. Um, but it's really crazy what they said. You mentioned Acts 19. So, so in this... It says in uh, verse 15, it says, But the evil spirits answered them, these, these sons of Sceva, and said, Jesus I know, and Paul I recognize, but who are you? Yeah. And that's what's crazy is because if you actually get the whole part of what they say, they're trying to cast them out. They say, we cast you out in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches. Yeah. They the guy who know. wrote Ephesians. <laughs> yeah. And so the, the demons respond back and they're going, hey, we know Jesus. We know Paul. But who the heck are you? Yeah. You know? And um, I remember when I was in Acts class in Bible college and listening to my professor, Mark Moore, um, talk about this. And he was talking about just the living a life that has power to where when, when Paul entered a place, he'd been there for two years, right? That's what it tells us just a little mm -hmm. bit before that in verse nine or in chapter 19, um, but he had become so prominent in that area that even the demons knew who he was. And Mark talked about how he wanted to live such a powerful life that when he woke up in the morning, that hell would shudder and go, oh mm. no, Mark's awake. Mm. And man, that's always inspired me. Yeah. Where you're just going, man, I want to live such a powerful life for Jesus that demons are scared of me. Yeah. You know, because most people are scared of demons, right? Yeah, yeah. But this is the opposite. Yeah. And uh, that's just kind of a cool thing to think about. But it moves on where um, Paul actually casts those demons out of this man and kind of takes the business away from these seven sons of Sceva, right? Yeah. And so they get so upset. What happens next? A riot. A riot. Yeah, like. Kind of fitting for where we are in our world today, right? Yeah. Like, we're recording this at the beginning of June in 2020. If you ever hear it after that, you know that because of some terrible things that have happened in our country, um, the, the terrible police brutality on George Floyd, that, I mean, there's been riots everywhere, riots mm -hmm. in our own city, like riots literally across the street from where we are right now. Mm -hmm. And so here we are reading a text about how Paul kind of incited a riot yeah, because he did what was right, but everybody else is going, 
no, we don't like this. Mm-hmm. We, don't, we don't like the justice you're trying to bring. We don't, we don't like this Jesus that you're bringing into our world that's changing everything that we do. And so they take Paul into the largest theater of the ancient world. And still to this day, you can look it up online if you want. You can look at the theater in Ephesus. And it is the most well uh, intact archaeological find that we have. It is a huge theater. It's almost to where you could see exactly what it would have looked like in those days. But that's the theater where Paul gets brought into and he starts sharing his testimony and the people freak out. They're mad. They want to stone him. They want to kill him. And he demands for the emperor. And he says, hey, I'm a Roman citizen. You've got you've to call Rome. You can't just kill me out like this. So anyways, the, the story goes on. <clears throat> he, he goes from there, and Paul knows he's going to be arrested, or he already has been arrested. He knows that he's going to be tried for all these things that they say he's done. And so in Acts chapter 20, we find Paul. He's on a ship. He's on his way to Jerusalem to be tried. Paul has all the expectation that he's going to be killed just like Jesus was. Yeah. Because this is how they treated him, right? So he's sailing on this ship, and as he comes on the Mediterranean Sea, Ephesus is about 20 miles inland. And he says, I don't have time to go to Ephesus, but I want to talk to those people. So he stops at the town of Miletus, and he calls for the Ephesian elders. So give me a little bit about why does Paul want to talk to the elders at the Ephesian church? I mean, I think that he wants to talk to the, to the elders in the Ephesian church just because they're, they're Gentiles. They were, they were a new church. He'd spent the most amount of time there. And so I think that for him, it was just these are, these are his people, right? Yeah. Like Paul was the minister to the Gentiles, and they, they were— a Gentile heavy. In other words, they weren't Jews. They weren't God's people. So they were people like you and me. Yeah. And so I think they were a different race. Yeah. Not only that, but I think that the real key part was his boy, Timothy was there. Absolutely. And so Timothy is kind of Paul's son in the faith. And so I think that uh, the city of Ephesus had a a very special place in Paul's heart because it really represented uh, God going to, to the Gentiles and the different people. Yeah. So he spent like three and a half years. Yeah more than two times longer than he spent anywhere else on any missionary trip. Mm -hmm. And so this is a place that he loves, he cares for them, he calls them in, and he tells them, guys, you know how I've been the whole time I've been with you. Ever since the first day I came in the province of Asia, and he goes, I serve the Lord with humility, I serve the Lord with tears. Um, He says, although I was tested by the plots of the Jews, I never hesitated to preach anything that was helpful to you, taught you both publicly and from house to house. He goes through all these things. And he gets to verse 24, which is my life verse. Hmm. And he says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. That's good. And so here's my question for you, Cole. Why is the gospel worth giving everything up for? Hmm. Uh, that's a big question. It is. Um, I think that on, on a, if I was to oversimplify it, I would say, hey, Jesus gave everything. He gave his life on the cross, so we should do the same thing. But I think it's deeper than that. I think that sometimes when we think of this idea of giving our life for the gospel, we think, okay, I've got to be a pastor. I've got to yeah. go be a missionary. Yep. Or, or otherwise, I just haven't done it. And so some people, I think, that honestly read 20, verse 24 and say, 
I, I can't do that. Yeah, I'm not sure that's me. Not sure that's me. But no, this is, this is absolutely everybody. To give your life for the gospel doesn't mean you have to be a pastor. It means you've got to live in God's will for your life no matter what that yeah. is. And I think the reason that that, that matters so much to, to live your life for the gospel is because that's the only way you're going to get true contentment and enjoy your life. Because we are fools to think that we are going to enjoy our lives outside of God's will. Like when you follow God's plan for your life, it's God, right? Like yeah. he's got the best plan for you. And so when we think that our plans are better than God's plans, that our plans are going to give us more joy and more fulfillment, for fulfillment we're foolish, yeah. right? And Absolutely. so, uh, yeah, I think this matters because it's, it's this idea that, sorry, we, we just need to give our lives to the gospel. Well, you reminded me when you were saying all that of two passages, one, Luke 9, 23, hmm. where Jesus said, if anyone would come after me yep. and, and he, if he wants to follow me, he must take up his cross daily yeah. and follow me, yeah. right? Uh, or Galatians 2, 20, where, where Paul says... For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ live in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the, in, in the, in the Son who loves me, or something mm-hmm. like that. But the whole point of what both of those are saying is Jesus asks us to pick up our cross and follow him. But he also says in Matthew 20 that, that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And, and what's kind of this crazy idea that we see in the gospel is that Jesus says, if you follow me, it's going to be difficult, but it's going to be easy. Mm-hmm. You know, like you're going to pick up your cross, but I'm going to be carrying that cross. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, it, and it's this idea where when we follow what God calls us to do, we have this satisfaction that the world can't even come close to giving to us. Mm-hmm. And so many times we get lost, and I, and I think this is a very important truth for junior high, high school, even young adults Absolutely. to hear, is when they're making these critical decisions about, man, what do I want to be in life? What yeah. career path do I want to follow? Who do I, who do I want to pursue in a relationship? All of those things. What kind of friends am I choosing? Yeah. When you're making these critical decisions, You've got to look and realize that fame, fortune, influence, all those things will never satisfy you. Yeah. They might bring you happiness for a fleeting moment, but they're not going to bring true satisfaction. Only Jesus can bring that. Absolutely. And uh, I know one of your favorite books, the book of Ecclesiastes, talks about that, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we'll just... <laughs> Kind of funny. It's one of my favorite books because when you taught it, I like I loved it. You used the word hebel. I, I didn't say that great, but the idea of hebel. Yeah. Come on. Sorry, I'm not. I'm not a Jew. Um, <laughs> but this idea that everything that Solomon chased after in his life, he he could get anything in the world. He was a king. He was the wisest man. He had access to everything, and so he went after everything. And what he found out was it was all meaningless. Yep. It was meaningless. And so I think that sometimes we buy that old lie that, hey, that the world's way is going to be better. If I had a little bit more money, if I had a little bit more of this, this is so car, bad. If I had this car, if I had this house, if I got, if I got this scholarship. Yeah, and, yeah. And, and it's meaningless. And, and I think that some of somebody, if you're listening and you're a little bit older, you could, if you could speak to younger people, you would say, absolutely, it's meaningless. Yeah. But what I, what I love, too, and, and to take us back to verse 24, because I, I do think that an older listener might slip on here, right? 
And so if you've got somebody that says, you know what, I, I went to the camps. I, I never felt the call to ministry. In fact, I'm, I'm just a teacher now. And so it's hard because maybe they think that this verse doesn't apply to them. What, what would you say to somebody that says, I, I haven't been called to ministry? Yeah, no, I, I, I get that because I know a lot of people feel that way yeah. because, you know, we do put a high price on, hey, you know, those who have been called to ministry or called to mission work and all that. But what I want to make sure everybody understands, we are all called to do ministry, but not everybody is called into the ministry. Yeah. You know, so there's a difference. And I know that it, hey, semantically, it's a difference, but, but really there's a, there's a difference, but it's not a huge one. So we do this vocationally, like this is our job. We're mm-hmm. ministers. Um, you know, I know people that are missionaries and worship ministers and all those sort of things. But everyone's called into ministry. Like you could be a teacher and that's your ministry. You could be a coach, that's your ministry. Yeah. Uh, you could be a lawyer, that's your ministry. And what it is, we talk about it in a way where we call it kingdom work, right? Mm-hmm. Where you use your gift, talents, and ability to influence people with the gospel of Jesus. And um, that's what Paul's talking about. You realize that Paul wasn't a full-time minister. Paul was a tent maker. Yep. Like he was known for being a really good tent maker. He made tents. <laughs> and um, he kind of did this on the side where he would go and preach and do all this. And he was so successful at, at making tents that he had enough money to finance his, his mission ministry. trips. Yeah. And that's pretty amazing. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, so let's keep going just so everybody gets a hold of it. We're talking about Ephesians. We're talking about the history of Ephesus. Um, Paul continues in Acts chapter 20 where he's warning the elders. He says, savage wolves are going to come in among you mm. and they're going to try to deceive the flock. Mm-hmm. Like they're going to try to convince people that there's other ways. Scary prophecy, yeah, right? Yeah. But what we see is we actually see that happen. Yeah. So years later, Paul writes the book of Ephesians, which we're going to study on Sunday mornings. But he also writes to his young son in the faith, who you mentioned earlier, Timothy. And we see this stuff in 1 and 2 Timothy about uh, false teachers and false prophets, all these warnings that he has for them. Uh, But he also exhorts Timothy on some things that I think are really applicable to young people, Mm -hmm. where he tells... Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.22, he says to flee the evil desires of youth. Yeah. And those things that we all have when we're young, these lustful desires, these difficult things. And what's, what's kind of fascinating to me, if you do history on the, the town of Ephesus, Ephesus has the earliest form of prostitution that we know about in the ancient world. Hmm. So... They, they discovered this in an archaeological dig that when you walk through the city gate to enter into Ephesus, there was a, a mosaic tile that was on the ground, and it was actually a naked woman. You know what a mosaic is, yeah, right? Like, like broken, broken tiles. tiles. Yeah. yeah. So someone had made this mosaic of a naked woman with an arrow. Literally, if you want this... It's like a pornographic ad in the yes, city. Yes, head this way. Yeah. And... Um, where it was sending people was to the huge temple in Ephesus, the, the temple to Artemis mm-hmm. or the Greek goddess Diana. Um, it's the goddess of fertility. And so they had this massive temple in the ancient world. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. So when Paul was there, that's, that's what it was. I mean, just some of the most vile pagan worship you can imagine where they would commit all kinds of sexual acts and worship of this goddess. I mean, the 
craziest things you could ever imagine. That's what they would do. And so um, Paul tells Timothy, hey, flee those things. Hmm. Set the example for all the believers in speech, life, love, faith, and impurity. And I think there's times when people go, well, Matt, um, you just don't understand. You don't understand how how different the struggles are today for a teenager, right? Yeah. Like you've heard those yeah, same things yeah. where it's like, it's just so much more accessible. And so what do you say to someone who says an argument like that? Like you just don't understand the struggle we face. Yeah, I say we're facing the same enemy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like there, we face the same enemy. The devil might have new tricks, but he's got the same cause. He's going to yep. try and pull you away from God. And so, like, I'm not going to fall for the apple trick. You know what I mean? <laughs> if, if the devil throws an apple in front of me, I'm not going to take it. But, uh, but there's other tricks that he plays. And so I think that for every generation, he's got new tricks and different things to do whatever he can to pull us away from God. And, and I, I think that's an important question because sometimes when we think that we're the only people that deal with these struggles, right. that we see these struggles in the Bible and discount them <laughs> as if these don't count because it's different. Yeah, it was, it, it was so long ago. It, it was so long ago. Yeah. And, and the reality is that's not true. It's still the temptation of sexual immorality, of, of, um, of evil and, yeah. and sorcery. Now, we don't have like sorcery today, but we have evil spirits. Absolutely. We've got Ouija boards. Yeah. We've got uh, all sorts of occult things that, that people try and, and get up to be a part of. Yep. You know what I mean? It looks a little bit different. But like I said, it is the same enemy, which means that the Bible is more relevant than ever before. Like it still is. And do you think that's not a lie straight from Satan to make you think that you're struggling with something different than someone else? Yeah, absolutely. Because if, if, the, if the devil can convince you that your struggle is unique to you, then you're not going to talk to anybody else about it. Yeah. And, and where I think that's expressed like the, the, in, the, in the biggest way possible is when you think of Hebrews, right? Yeah. Where it says, we have Jesus. a high priest, Jesus, mm-hmm. who is able to sympathize with us in our weakness, for he was tempted in every way just as we are, yet he was without sin. Mm-hmm. If Satan can convince us that, oh man, Jesus never faced the struggles we had to face. Like realize this, all you teenage boys out there, like Jesus was a teenage guy at one time. <laughs> yeah. Like he struggled with these same things. Yeah. It's not some far off, oh man, you know, no, no, no. What Hebrews tells us is Jesus made it. Yeah. Like he was able to conquer these sins. And eventually he was able to conquer those sins, not just for himself, but for us. That's good. And uh, that's just powerful things. So Ephesus, okay, we're seeing all of this history about it. The last place Ephesus shows up is in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter Mm 2, Jesus writes seven letters to seven churches, but the first letter he writes is to the church in Ephesus. Mm. And I just want to read what he says because I think it... You know, very rarely do we get like this full picture of a, of a, of a city's history, yeah. but we see it here. Yeah. So this is Revelation 2, starting in verse 2. Jesus says, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves to be apostles and are not, and found them to be false. Like, you hear it? It's awesome. Yeah. Like, Jesus is going, yeah, guys. You listened to Paul. Yeah. <laughs> like, you did it. You, you, yeah. you were able to watch out for those savage wolves. Mm-hmm. But that's not the only thing he says. Mm-hmm. He says, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you have at first. 
Uh, the way the NIV says it, you, it says you have forgotten your first love. And um, man, it's just sad to look at this, this church that started on fire, yeah. right? Like literally those, those early... out demons. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> those early days were so powerful. Now they've, they've gone and like they're still doing the right things, but they've missed the reason why and how they're doing it. Like mm-hmm. you can stand up for what's right, but not do it in the right way. Yeah. And that's what they're doing. Yeah. Right? So Jesus tells them, he says, remember therefore from where you have fallen, repent and do the works that you did at first. And uh, I guess that's just my question for you, Cole, is do you think that this happens to people? Like the longer that they're a Christian, it's easier for them to be known for what they're against and not so much for how they love people? Yeah, I I do. And I I I think it's sad, but it does happen. I think that there's a temptation for that to happen in every Christian's life. I mean, even, even in my own life. If I'm not vigilant, there's, there's a temptation to just kind of go through the motions with my relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And just, yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I'm a pastor. And it's not as real as it was at first. The life change stops. Yeah, yeah. And the life change should never stop. Yeah, and I, I think that really almost any relationships like this, I think <laughs> of it, you know, I, I doubt that we have too many married people that are listening to us because it's a youth podcast. <laughs> but I think of it in my, in my own life. I mean, I heard a preacher say one time, he said, hey, if you're not dating your wife, someone else will. Oh. And I was like, oh, hey, uh, Lindley, you want to go on yeah, a date tonight? I got to <laughs> text Allison real quick, see if she wants to go out. <laughs> but the point of what he was saying is, like, when you're trying to get that girl, mm-hmm. when you're trying to start that relationship, man, you're doing all kinds of things, yeah. right? Like, you're, you are loving in ways that the longer you've been in that relationship, it's harder for you to do those things. So... Tell, tell us just real quick, because we got to wrap this up soon. Yeah. How do we keep our relationship with Jesus fresh? Like, how do we remember our first love and yeah. not become like the church at Ephesus? You know, you mentioned the dating metaphor. And so if you think back to, to when you first became a Christian, I think this is relatively true. When you first become a Christian, you want to read the whole entire Bible. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're like, this is about my God. This is, this is the guy that saved me. You know, I, I want to know everything. And then as we've stayed and be Christians longer and longer, our, we, we shut our Bibles, they get dusty, and we get away from them. I think that if we're going to remember our first love, then we have to make it an absolute priority as Christians to stay in God's Word. Yeah. We've got to be there every single day just reading it. The Bible is living and active. If you want God to speak to you, the Bible is how God is going to speak to you. Yeah, He already has. Yeah, He, he already has. <laughs> But, but here's a piece that we forget. If we're going to remember our first love, it's, it's not enough for me to just pick it up. Oh, look, I'm in the book of Ezekiel. I read it for today. <laughs> you know, I'm done. We really have to open ourselves up. And if I'm going to bridge this into our context today, it takes us reading, I believe it's Galatians 5 at the end, where Paul says, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Gentile nor slave yep. nor free. Now, if I'm going to remember my first love, then I've got to read that and I've got to ask myself, okay, do I have a problem with racism? And if I have a problem with racism, then it is my responsibility as a Christian to deal with that sin. And if if I'm not going to fall away from Jesus, if I'm going to remember my first love and I'm going to continue in growing to be more like Jesus, which is our goal as Christians, right? Then I've got to open myself up. It's not enough just to read it. 
but open myself up and say, okay, what, how does this apply to me? Yeah. How does this apply to, to, my, to the church that I'm in, right? And I ask myself, okay, what needs to change in my life? Yeah. Because there's not a verse in this Bible that doesn't apply to you. Yeah, it's, it's James, right? Where, you know, you look into the word intently like a man looks in a mirror. Yeah. And allow it to portray back to you who yeah. you really are. Yeah. Which is great because, you know, if you look inside the Bible and you see that you're, you're a sexually immoral person, you would be a fool to see that, and like James would say, and walk away and do nothing. Yep. Yep, absolutely. And, and I would add one to that. So obviously knowing the word's good, but I yeah. love this quote by Mark Matterson okay. where he says, he says, reading is how you get through the Bible, mm. but praying is how the Bible gets through to you. Yeah. And what, what I think's important when you're talking about a relationship, right? Spending time together is important, but conversation is what really makes you grow. Yeah. And the same's true in your relationship with God, that if you're not spending time in constant communication with him, there is such power in prayer. Yeah. And to use the illustration you used of Galatians, where it talks about that we're all one in Christ. Yep. I mean, you got to pray for that. Yeah. Like Jesus prayed for it in yeah. John 17 yeah. when he said, you know, Lord, I pray that they would be one as you and I are one. Jesus' greatest desire is for us to be unified. And so there's no place for racism. But that doesn't just happen. Like that happens because God steps in and does something. And, and what, I would, what I would strongly encourage every person to do is believe in the power of prayer. Get on your knees. Yeah. And plead with God. Say, God, I'm going to do what I can do, but God, you step in and do what only you can do. And when God steps in and does those things, man, it's, it's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And so we, we need to wrap up. I mean, this has been an awesome study. Yeah, absolutely. We've, uh, we've been able to dig a little bit deeper mm-hmm. and see more of the history of Ephesus and how that applies to us and why it's important. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I would encourage you to do is if you did not catch Sunday's sermon, make sure to log on, watch that, listen to it. We love you guys, and we cannot wait to be with you again next week. See you guys. See you later. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, even take a screenshot and share it to your social stories and tag us at Dulas Youth. Thanks again for listening. See you soon.